Let's just bow our heads for a prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come by your spirit, that you would help me to speak, and that you would give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Remembering. I don't know if you know this, but the human mind is capable of memorising the entire London telephone directory. In fact, if you want to be awarded the title Grand Master of Memory, you can, but only if you do the following three things. Number one, you've got to be able to memorise a thousand random numbers in the space of an hour. Number two, you've got to memorise the order of ten packs of playing cards in one hour. And number three, you've got to be able to memorise the order of a pack of playing cards within one pack of playing cards within two minutes. That's the test, all three of those. And you'll be amazed to know that 149 people have achieved the Grand Master of Memory title, awarded by no less than the World Memory Sport Council. I bet you never knew it existed. But memory is one of the most powerful things in uh, uh, aspects of, of human beings, isn't it? Sadly, though, the genes required for a good memory have completely passed me by, as I can be quite forgetful. And I already know my future fate, because my dad often has to fill in the names, dates and places for my mother when she's telling a story... And my mother gets exasperated because my dad can't remember where he put his walking stick down two minutes ago. And between the two of them, they actually make a great team. And I love them dearly. But I know where I'm headed. (laughs) As we meet together to worship God on Remembrance Sunday, it's good to realise that acts of remembrance are very closely related to Christian worship and Christian life. Because on Remembrance Sunday, we remember those, both military and civilian, who gave their lives in order to save the lives of others. And in Christian worship, we remember Jesus, the Son of God, who sacrificed his life in order that those who put their faith in him will be saved to eternal life. And in fact, there's a remarkable story of heroism from the Second World War, which particularly bears this out. Because on the 31st of July 1941, a prisoner escaped from Auschwitz concentration camp. And as a reprisal, the Gestapo, as they did, selected ten men to die in a starvation bunker. And as they were going down the lines, choosing at random these ten men, one in particular was a man called Francis Gagenisdek. I don't know if I pronounce it right, but that's how it's spelled. Francis Gagenisdek. And as this man was chosen, he called out, Oh no, my poor wife and children, they'll never see me again. And then suddenly, a Polish man stepped out of the line and he said, 
Look, look, he said, I'm a Catholic priest. I, I don't have a wife and children. I, I want to die instead of that man. And to everyone's surprise, his offer was accepted. His name was Maximilian Colby, and he was 47 years old at the time, and he was taken with the nine others to the starvation bunker to starve to death. Apparently, he was an amazing man, and he got them all praying and singing, and there was an extraordinary sense of hope in a place where there was usually only utter despair and horror as the men starved to death. And Maximilian Colby was the last person to die. And eventually, because they needed the bunker for something else, they killed him by a lethal injection of carbolic acid on the 14th of August, 1941. And in 1982, 41 years later, his death was put in its proper perspective. In St. Peter's Square in Rome, among a crowd of 140,000 people, stood Francis Gugenisdeck and his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. And the Pope described Colby's death as a victory like that won by our Lord Jesus Christ. And many years later, after he died, Francis Gugenisdeck's obituary was printed in the newspaper, and it said that he spent the rest of his life going around telling people how thankful he was for the man, Maximilian Colby, who had sacrificed his own life in order to save his. And so the first parallel between Remembrance Sunday and Christian life and worship is that we should remember to give thanks. We give thanks for the extraordinary courage and bravery of all those who, whether military personnel or civilians, have given their lives or their limbs or their mental health in the service of protecting our freedom, part of which is our freedom to worship God. And I think if we want a great life, If we want a life filled with wonder and awe and love and grace, we have to live thankful lives. Almost every letter of the New Testament of the Bible begins with the writer giving thanks to God for the Christians he's writing to. And Paul's letter to the Ephesians that we heard an extract of this morning is no exception. In chapter 1, Paul writes this. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks and for you, remembering you in my prayers. And for some people here this morning, you might be listening to me and thinking, well, it's okay for you, Pads. Your, your life might be going okay, but mine's a mess. How can I be thankful when I'm struggling to pay the rent, when my family's sick, or my child's being bullied at school, or what, whatever it is? How, how, and you asked me to give thanks, to be thankful. And I know life can be difficult. It can be very, very difficult. But let's not forget that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus from a prison cell where he was on trial for his life, from which he only ultimately escaped when the Romans executed him. Giving thanks to God was the hallmark of the early church, even at a time 
when the church was under extreme persecution. I keep a journal that I write in in the morning when I settle down to pray. And in it, I particularly write about all the people and the, and the things in the world that I want to give thanks to God for. And it's such an uplifting thing to do. And I can go back to it and read it and remember all of the, the good things that I can give thanks to God for. And you know, many of you, unless you're a first time here today or a visitor here today, many of you are in my journal where I've thanked God for you, that he's brought you to the church family here at St. Matthew's, for the things that you've said that have blessed me, for acts of loving kindness you've shown to me and others, for the sacrifices that you've made. I thank God so much for all of you. That's the first thing. As we remember to give thanks on Remembrance Sunday for those who've fallen, we learn to bless the world around us by living thankful lives. And in our worship, we do that too. Because in a few minutes' time, we'll be coming together around the Lord's table to share bread and wine, and we will give thanks to God for Jesus, for his sacrifice, for his body and blood given and shed for us. And the second parallel between Remembrance Sunday and the Christian life is that we should remember to pray. In the extract we heard this morning from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he implores those he's writing to. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The Christian life is meant to be lived in the context of prayer. It's meant to be lived in a free-flowing, ongoing conversation with the God who loves us. That's what Paul meant by pray in the Spirit. In other words, prayer being a response um, to the Spirit of God in us, guiding us, comforting us, challenging us, wooing us, and we respond. Before my faith came alive 15 years ago, I never understood this. I I used to think prayers were things that were just written in books. But prayer is a conversation between us and God. Now, of course, when we come together on a Sunday morning in church, the whole church gathered, yes, of course, in this context, we pray some written prayers, in particular, the Lord's Prayer, because it allows us to pray together. But that's only for one hour out of the hundred plus hours in every, or waking hours in every week. The other 99 hours, when we're not in church, our prayers are a personal dialogue between us and our Creator. And on Remembrance Sunday, as we remember to give thanks for those who've given their lives to save others, we must remember to pray for the living. I'd like to just show a quick video clip. Thank you, um, Martin. Um, About a family of a serviceman, before I continue. when dad went away because we didn't really um, think about him being in those dangerous situations um, it was quite exciting I think actually to get the blueies and um, 
the little letters and um, him telling us about the helicopters and all this stuff. Um, it was only when I became a bit older that I realised that um, people he knew were um, getting killed or um, and that it was quite dangerous there and it could happen to him at some point. As Bryony said, she was at Bryony School and so was Amalia, so um, I was left with Mum and it was uh, really difficult, um, really difficult just getting on with life without Dad. It twigged for me that Dad was going somewhere that he could potentially die in when um, I saw on the news um, that people had been killed in Iraq or Afghanistan um, and that really brought it home for me that it wasn't Dad that time but it could have been and I didn't know if next time it would be Dad. I think on the sort of five different operational tours I've done, some of them uh, have been more, um, more dangerous, more kinetic. People have actively been trying to, to kill us as opposed to perhaps more passive peacekeeping type tours. The, um, I think throughout having joined the military with a strong Christian faith, the reassurance I guess and the the strength that I've drawn from being able to not only express that faith and pray obviously um, in, it, and develop that relationship with God particularly on my last tour which was uh, which was amazing just hearing God speaking to me uh, on a regular basis every morning being excited about getting up an hour early to read my Bible and to pray and having the, the time and space to do that um, uh, was amazing and I think, particularly when I was younger and in dangerous, you know, very much in the front line, um, knowing there were people across the UK and actually around the world who were praying specifically as well as generally for me uh, meant that even when the rounds were landing quite close, it was I had that reassurance that actually um, people were, were remembering me in prayer and that God was looking out for me. So fear has always been something that I've lived with. People like Rhett in the video that we saw, who so obviously values prayer um, from people across the globe. So as we give thanks on Remembrance Sunday for those who've given their lives, we must also remember to pray for the living people like Rhett. And of course, here at St Matthew's, we often pray for our local community because we love to see the love of God changing lives and bringing hope to people who live in our neighbourhood, for our schools, for our local doctor's surgery, for our library. And really importantly, to pray for each other. Always, says Paul, always Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's the second thing. Remember to pray. And finally, the third parallel between Remembrance Sunday and the Christian life is perhaps not so obvious. Remember the good news. 
Now, on a purely human level, it might seem that Remembrance Sunday is is all about bad news because we remember the millions of lives lost over the last century in countless wars, some seemingly just and vital and some seemingly pointless and wasteful. But Jesus said that the greatest love possible is shown when a person lays down their life for another. That when a person puts the lives of others before themselves, like Maximilian Kolbe did to save the life of Francis Gagenizdek, then we catch a glimpse of just how much God loves us. You see, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us, for you and me. We've rebelled against God in so many ways. We've done so many things in our lives that are not good and not right and not loving that quite honestly we deserve nothing less than to pay the price. Spiritual death, eternal separation from God. And yet, God loves us so much that he didn't leave us in that situation. He came into the world he created in the person of his son Jesus and he stepped into our place and paid the ultimate price for us as he died on the cross in order that we wouldn't have to. And to prove that it was effective, he rose from the dead three days later so that you and I can know today that if we put our trust in Jesus and follow him, we are completely forgiven and set free from all the rubbish in our lives. And this is the good news. Just as the death of Maximilian Kolbe brought life to Francis Gagenizdek, so in a much more wonderful way, the death of Jesus gives us new life and brings us an eternal life as children of a loving Heavenly Father. And we can be that good news in our lives, in our workplaces, in our families, in our friendship circles, wherever we are. If we will stop living for ourselves, putting our own agendas first and start putting others before us, then our lives will show and reflect and pass on the love of God to others. So as we remember those who have given their lives this Remembrance Sunday, and as we remember Jesus in the bread and wine, let's remember to give thanks. Let's remember to pray. Let's remember the good news. God loves you. He's laid down his life for you in Jesus. And in response, let's give ourselves to him. God bless you.